1: For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T dot com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
2: Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I am Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm so glad that you are joining me today. And this is part two of addictions. We are talking about addictions today and it's entitled Don't Judge the Addict, even if it's you. You probably know someone in your life that's an addict or struggles with addictions. Maybe you are the one that struggles with addictions. And I am here to tell you that the main thing I want to focus on is that we are not to judge addictions. Um we certainly judge the behaviors that correspond and uh, Come from addictions because they are generally extremely destructive. And so we're not saying that there's an excuse. We are saying that nobody asks for an addiction. Nobody wants one, Nobody goes out and finds one. Uh, the addictions are, are hellacious. They, they are very painful and very destructive to the person, to the person's life. and and we don't want to to judge the imprisoned person even if their life choices got them there because what we come to understand is that there's lots of reasons that that addictions occur and i want to make sure that because this is part two that you are able to listen to part one because in in last week's show we talked about what does the bible say about addictions what is an addiction we talked about the difference between addictions and dependencies. The difference between addictions dependency and abuse and there isn't there is a difference and we talked about the difference between substance addictions and compulsive disorders which compulsive disorders have the same addictive feel and quality but remember compulsive addictions are about a behavior they are much harder in many ways to quit because it's many times harder to quit a behavior or habitual issue than it is to actually just walk away from a substance. A substance we can just never do again. Compulsive disorders like eating, shopping, relationships, sex, this is a part of living. This is a lifestyle issue, and it's a lifestyle issue in extreme. And so it's much harder to get a handle on a compulsive disorder when we have to do it every day, or it's a part of our life and we have to learn how to do it in a way that is healthy and not extreme. So the difference, again, between dependency and addiction is the psychological piece. There are many people that are physically addicted to a substance, uh, say they're battling cancer or they have a horrific injury and they have to have multiple surgeries and their body needs the, the help of a pain medication so that we don't traumatize them from the pain. And so their body may become addicted, but Their being, their psyche, their heart, their mind, their soul, brain, whatever you want to think about, doesn't like that altered feel. And so they don't fall into into the group of addictions because they aren't enjoying the altered experience and seeking out that experience even after the injury has healed. And so those are very profound differences. And this is one of the reasons we are not to just off-the-cuff judge what we would say is an addiction. We also talked about the difference between excuses and explanations and an excuse is demeaning and demoralizing and disrespectful to the other person and to yourself. An excuse negates my responsibility for the behavior and an excuse makes it impossible to be in relationship with a person that may be struggling with that addiction. An explanation is imperative when we are wanting to heal from an addiction or any type of dependency or compulsive behavior. We want to understand how this happened and being able to love the person appropriately has a lot to do with understanding what happened, how this happened, what is in, how the person has become entrapped, and what are the areas that they need to adjust and change, and how we are to actually support them in that change. And explanations are important to the individual because the enemy is so good about condemning us. And so we talked a lot about not judging people. Because we don't know what's really going on inside of them. We're not in them. We don't walk their walk. We don't know really what the pain is that they are trying to medicate. And so we, we want to expo- have an explanation. It helps us to feel closer to the person. It helps us to create more compassion and have empathy when we are going the long haul with them, when we are committed to walking that walk out with them. So we talked a lot about the difference between excuse and explanation and why those, that difference is relevant. And then we talked about what, what creates or causes an addiction, and, and we talked a lot about trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, chronic pain, genetics, predisposition for things, um, and again severe injury, anxiety disorders, depression, uh, a lack of coping skills, and, and that's, that's kind of in general. That all of these types of issues can really usher in the opportunity for an addiction to take hold. And so when we work on healing from addiction, we're going to look at all those areas. What's the gen- genetic predisposition? What, what is this cluster effect of like for myself, I, I had a, a predisposition to a lot of, of my family of my my biological family there's a lot of addictions in my biological family, and then I was adopted and then I had trauma growing up as well. I had a sexual abuse as a child um, not and as a young adult, not necessarily in my family, but I had trauma on top of of being adopted on top of then also having a genetic predisposition and so that then my temperament would lead me in some ways to addictions as well. I'm a sensitive person, I'm a creative person, I'm an artist, I'm a musician. And so there's a lot of things that if I wasn't careful, I could have become a very highly addicted person. And so these are good explanations to understand who we are and how to be responsible with who we are so that we can be the best version of ourselves that we can truly be the person that God originally designed and that we are then ushering in the help of the Holy Spirit and the help of the saints around us to really be able to heal from any type of addictive behaviors or compulsive behaviors and, and to not revisit them and to really truly walk in freedom. So the last thing that we talked about, as, as we, we, we look when we looked at the difference between substance addi- substance, you know addictions, compulsive disorders, and habits, and I and I want you to understand that habits, when they are done for the wrong reasons, can become those di- compulsive disorders, and habits habits can those habitual things can become obsessive, and that's one of the ways that we always understand that anything in extreme. Is what we want to look at. So why is this habit so important to me? Why am I now entrapped by this habit? And that goes back to this issue of First Corinthians six twelve that we talked about in the shows previous when we talked about making no your best friend and the power of no is that God says everything is permissible but not everything is constructive. So if I have a habitual behavior, doesn't mean it's necessarily destructive. But am I held captive by it? Does it affect my relationships? Do I have to do that habit in lieu of getting to work on time? Or in lieu of being with my friends or family? Do I get preoccupied if I don't get to engage in that habit? That's where we would say a habit has become compulsive. And that's the difference. Habits, we all have habits, and we want to have good habits. So our brain, we work really hard on helping our brain create good habits for us. And so the more that we do something habitually, the better our brain gets at doing it, and it becomes more efficient at doing it, and it helps us do it. And so the more we practice habits as little children, those get embedded in the very deepest part of our psyche, and they kind of do it for us. So if we have good habits, we're very thankful for them. If we have bad habits, they are difficult to break. If the habit becomes compulsive, it can also then become an addiction. And that means that we like the altered state and we don't like the feeling of not, or the withdrawal feeling of not being able to do that habit. So let's talk about some warning signs of addictions. What, what would that really look like? Because when we talk about the difference between abuse... An addiction. Abuse means I overindulged. Abuse means I crossed some of my own personal lines or boundaries as to the rules that govern me. So I broke some of my own laws or I broke some of my own value system. So abuse of a substance, abuse of a behavior does not qualify an addiction. So if I um, went out with friends and indulged way too much in drinking and ended up sleeping with somebody, And I have to wake up the next day and say, I got drunk and I had sex and I crossed every line that I ever would have thought I would cross. And I did it last night. What the heck happened to me? That does not necessarily indicate an addiction in any way, shape or form. What we want to do when we are looking at addictions, there are a couple of questions that we want to ask ourselves. And we are going to really delve into this in the next segment. So when we're differentiating between abuse and addictions... Abuse means that I can stop that and not engage in that behavior any longer. So I can say, I learned from that experience, and I now understand what I'm going to do the next time I go out with that group of friends, or I'm not going to go out with that group of friends anymore because I don't make good decisions with them. That indicates that I fell into the abuse category. I crossed a line. I overindulged. I did something in the extreme. And I am able, I have the ability to choose not to do it without having external help or support. I can make that choice on my own. I can say no to myself. That indicates a mishap. That indicates a crossing of a line. That indicates a regretful situation. That indicates uh, uh, behaviors in an extreme. That's very different than an addiction or a compulsive disorder. So I want to make that very clear because it's, it's imperative that we don't let the enemy come in and condemn us and, and get us unnecessarily distracted. It also means that we don't let somebody that actually is engaged in addictive behavior or compulsive behaviors say that they just abuse that. Well, I just abuse alcohol every now and then. No, it's habitual. You do it every weekend or you do it once a month. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about warning signs of addictions. Make sure that you join um, join me in the next segment and check out my website at cynthiahyatt.com. This is thirteen sixty KPXQ Faith Talk. Well, welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So if you're just tuning in, we are talking about addictions, and the title of this show is Don't Judge the Addict, Even If It's You. And so we did a very comprehensive look at addictions um, last week, and so I want to make sure that if you are just tuning in, you can listen to last week's show, and you can find that on my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, that's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. You can also look on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and Stitcher. I believe the show are on all of those different podcast servers. And so we really left off differentiating between addictions and the idea that Jesus is very adamant about not judging, that we don't know what's going on in someone's psyche. We don't know their, their DNA, their genetic makeup, their physiology, their psychology, their um, psyche, their brain, their heart, their soul, their mind is very unique. And so the way it responds to the world, the way it reacts to the world, is very unique. And what w- we were born with that we don't really have any choice about, and that might be some genetic predisposition. That may be uh, a tolerance or an intolerance. Th- there, there has everything to do with our temperament, our personality, what happened as we were growing up, addictions are extremely complicated. But what I want you to think about more than anything, I want to reiterate this, that addictions are always pain-related. Always pain-related. Because people that are not in pain don't want to have their experience altered. They're not needing it to be altered. And so this is one of the reasons why we want to have compassion on on people that are struggling with any type of addictive or compulsive behaviors. So that leads us to what would be some indications or warning signs that there may be an addiction or a compulsive disorder. So we want to look at the last 12 months. Has drinking or drug use or addictive uh, or compulsive behaviors, has it caused me to fail to meet any obligation? That means did I miss a date? Did I miss some work? Did I not finish a class? Um, did I miss a, a specific event? And how often did I do that? And what, what has that led to, meeting deadlines at work or not picking up children from school? And I'm not talking about one time. That's what we talked about in the last segment, is that there's a difference between abuse and an addiction, so is there now a pattern over the last 12 months that I am kind of habitually, frequently, that might be once a month, certainly every week, but once a month, you know, I'm, I'm missing deadlines. I'm not making it to work. I'm having to make excuses or lie for particular things. Um, I, I'm having to cover and hide I'm having to backtrack and make sure that, wow, did I remember what I said? Did I remember what I did? Or, wow, did did I leave things out in the house? Or if somebody walks in the house, are they going to see open containers? Or these type of things. D- do I have people that are now interacting in my life that maybe shouldn't be in my life? Like dealers or these types of things. Like I've opened the door to arenas I don't want. Am I having to make excuses to doctors? So this is what you want to think about. Has it caused you to fail to meet obligations? Have And have you been under the influence of any kind of drug or alcohol or at any other circumstance where you need to be fully alert? At work, driving, um, any, any type of event that you are, are managing. So am I under the influence in an arena that... Typically would not be an area that people would be an, in an altered experience, so this is different than if I went to a wedding, if I went to a party, if we all went out that night um, if i 'm having people over at our house we 're not talking about these things we 're talking about did I, did I want to drink more during lunch, and then I went back to the office, and that afternoon, I was probably under the influence and having to be careful so that people didn 't notice. Did I drive and did I forget things? Did I wake up the next day thinking, what happened yesterday? These types of things. You want to say, have I been under the influence of something while I'm riding a bike, operating machinery, when I'm alone, or if I'm in an unfamiliar place? So how about, has, has any of, of these behaviors or substances, my use of them, have they affected my or hurt any of my relationships? So did I miss a date because I couldn't get out of the gym because I couldn't stop exercising? And it became more important to me than meeting that person for coffee when I said I would and I had to make an excuse. Did I have a hard time getting out of the house because I was exercising? Or did I, was I hung over and I couldn't get up and make it to work on time? Did I have to lie to somebody about why I missed an event and it hurt my relationship? Do I not remember um, certain obligations that I made to people because I was maybe under the influence of something or not paying attention? So how has my compulsive behaviors, am I having to hide things? Am I on social media in places I shouldn't be and I'm having to chronically erase things off of my phone and my computer hoping that somebody doesn't go and look? These are the things, have they affected relationships? How about has it caused me any legal problems? Am I in debt because I can't stop shopping online? Am I in debt um, because I'm using money for food or alcohol or substances? Or I was under the influence and I ran into, you you know, maybe I didn't get in a car accident, but maybe I crashed into the wall in my driveway. Maybe I ran over, you know, a sprinkler. Am I having to fix things? Did I lose my handbag? And so now I'm having to replace all kinds of things. I have to get my license, have to, you know, cancel credit cards. You know, has this caused me some legal problems? Am I now not paying my bills on time? Because somehow I lost track of the deadlines and I used to be more organized. So am I using the substance more often and in greater amounts? Am I finding myself like, wow, I used to do this every weekend. Now I'm wanting to do it on Wednesdays as well. Now I'm wanting to do it Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Maybe I'm really looking forward to the weekend. So am I spending more time in the gym than I normally would? Am I am I spending more time on, on television or online? And so am I thinking about the next time I get to do that behavior? I get to talk to that person. And it's inhibiting my, my daily life. So am I, does it take more of the substance or the behavior to get the feeling that I want to have? Am I getting more anxious if I don't get to do the behavior or the substance? And so have I dropped or cut back on really good activities? So am I not exercising as much as I used to be because I'm hungover? Or I'm not eating very well because I'd rather drink. Or I'm smoking more and so I'm not eating as much. And so I don't want to exercise because I'm smoking too much. Has it increased to the point that now the good behaviors I used to do are are not fitting into my life like they used to? I'm not managing my money the way I did. I'm not doing my Bible studies. I'm not doing devotions. And so have I continued with substances or behaviors, even though it's really hurting my health and it's aggravating my depression or giving me lots of stomach problems and anxiety? So I want you to look at those. I want you to think about those. And join me in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And we're talking about don't judge the addict, even if it's you. And we are going to talk more about warning signs and help. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. And I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining me today. We are talking today about addictions and don't judge the addict, even if it's you. And so we talked at length last week. This is a two part series. So I always want to remind you to visit the website and you can listen to both the shows in its entirety and the the first part last week we really talked about what addictions actually are and the differences between addictions and compulsive disorders and habits and dependency and how addictions are created how they happen and in the last segment you know we really really talked about just this idea of how what are warning signs of addictions and how you know if you know, I'm either actually in an addiction or I am on the the border of creating one. And, and how to recognize that in other people as well. And so remember, when we are seeing things in other people, we are always wanting to take the tack that Christ takes. And that is that we have kindness always. And understanding that we don't walk in that person's shoes. So we really don't know what it's like in their life, and why this seems to be, quote-unquote, working for them. Because nobody picks an addiction when their life is working. That they, addictions don't just occur because everything is going so well and I'm so happy. So there, there's a lot of explanation, and we talked about the difference between an explanation and an excuse. And so I, I want to take a little bit of time and talk about some Bible verses that can help with addictions, and some, some comforts as well. So whether the, the addiction is alcohol or drugs or sexual or it's compulsive, it's eating, it's shopping, it's exercising, perfectionism, whatever it is, there is some encouragement for this. And, and so I really like this one in, in Isaiah 5.11. It says, Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night, till wine inflames them. And when God says woe to them, I really want you to understand that we're not reading these verses through the eyes of condemnation. He says, oh, my goodness. He says, honey, people, oh, my gosh, woe to you. You are going to not have the day that I planned for you. You're not going to have the life I have in store for you. And so, whoa, whoa. And so he is saying this with compassion, with understanding, with the, the parental help of please don't. And to say, let me help you. This is not the way you want to start your day. And if you're starting your day this way, we want to look at that. We want to ask ourselves, why is that working for me? Why would I start my day with alcohol? Why would I be doing that? And not through the eyes of judgment, but through the eyes of understanding that God loves the captive people. And he says he does not condemn his captive people he does not despise his captive people so let's look at this Matthew chapter 6 9 to 13 says after this manner therefore pray ye our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. This is the best prayer for any addiction. Because this is what it does. It first claims that God is my Father. This is our Father who art in heaven. That, that's me saying to God, thank you for being my, my dad. Thank you for being my Father. You are my Father. You are in heaven. And you know how to get me to heaven. And I am revering your name because your name has power. Your name, just the mention of your name can empower my life and help my life. And then it says, thy kingdom come. This is where I'm saying, God, you are in heaven. I need heaven down here on earth because I'm struggling. I need help down here. I need your kingdom to come to my life. I need your will to be done in my life the way you want my life to work. Thy will be done here in me, what you want for me, because your ways are best for me. So I'm asking God that your kingdom come to my earth and that your will, your way is done through me and not my way because my way does not work. And then please give me today what I need, God, so that I actually do the kingdom work. And please forgive me for not doing it right. Forgive me, God. Help me to forgive the people that are hurting me as well. So I don't have that pain encouraging me me toward bad behavior. And then I say to God, please lead me away from temptation. And I say to God daily, Jesus, help me follow you out of temptation. Jesus, you always lead me away from it. Help me follow you out and deliver me from evil. And thine, then, is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. That is the best prayer for compulsive addiction behaviors. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about biblical help. Well, thank you for joining me this afternoon. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Always glad that you joined me. And I want to make sure that you can listen to the shows in their entirety. So if you're just tuning in, you can find them on my website. The website always has the most current show, and that's CynthiaHyatt.com. They're also on SoundCloud, and all the different ones, TuneIn, Stitcher, iTunes. And and this really helps because this is a two-part series, and this is on addictions. And part one, we really talked at length about Explaining addictions and some of the, the myths about addictions and how addictions can be created and what addictions look like. And we talked uh, today about, you know, how, what are warning signs of addictions? And, and, and we are just now talking about what is some biblical help, some support that helps us if we are struggling with compulsive or behaviors or addictions or any, you know, things that are in extreme. And so we left off with this beautiful verse that Jesus gives us and that is the our father prayer. And that is truly one of the the best prayers if you are struggling bad with bad behavior, self-medicating behavior, behaviors that are in extreme. That you just you just first claim that God's your father and he's for you. He's not against you. He tells us he does not despise his captive people and that he has come to set the captive free and that is his mission that is his goal is to redeem us and redeem our life redeem our body from the fallenness so that we might be the people that God has created us to be so we first say to god you are my father you are my father you have claimed me god you have not abandoned me you have not walked away from me no matter how much it might feel like it no matter how much i feel like i might deserve it you are my father and i can call out to you as my father And then it says that, you know, your name is great. Hallowed is your name. So this is one of the most powerful things, that when we say, evoke the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that is the tax collector's prayer. That immediately ushers in the help of angels, emissaries that come to help us in our need. That immediately calls upon the Holy Spirit. That we say, Jesus Christ, Son of God, I am evoking the power and the name of Jesus and his victory over death to say, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I need mercy. And mercy is immediate. Mercy is that, that beautiful thing that says you don't get what you deserve. That's what mercy is. Mercy says, you deserve to go to jail. I'm letting you go. That's when the judge says, I'll have mercy on you. So I'm saying to Jesus, have mercy on me. I deserve so many things. Please have mercy on me because I am stuck. I am in a pit. I am in a rut. I am afraid. I don't know who to talk to about this. I don't know how to talk about this. I don't even know how to face it. So have mercy on me. And this is very powerful when we really work on that kind of relationship with God versus, you know, going through all the machinations that we might go through in in our prayer life or, or avoiding God, to just simply come to God as as the sinner that we are, knowing that he's already seen the worst. He, already, he sees more about me than he ever tells me about, thank God. I, I don't know if I could bear it if he told me everything I needed to change. He's very kind to me. He's very merciful to me. It has nothing to do with deserving. It has everything to do with the fact that he claimed to me as his child. And he's glad that I'm his child. And he's committed to me. So we say, we evoke the name of God. We evoke the power of the name of God. And we say, God, I need your kingdom. Your kingdom come to my life. Because I'm, I'm living in hell. I'm not, I'm not in a kingdom lifestyle right now. I am in hell. No matter how good my life looks on the outside, inside it is not good. It's not kingdom living. And I ask that his will be done, that his kingdom come to my earth, my body, my mind, my soul, and that his will be done there. And that it is as it is in heaven inside of me. And then I ask God, I say, and as you have done that and are doing that, please give me today my daily bread, just what I need today, just to do today. And deliver me from the evil one and lead me out of temptation Help me, God, to want to walk away from temptation and to not tempt myself. And that's the power and the glory forever and ever. And we say, Amen. And Amen says, let it be so. Amen is agreement. I say, Amen to that prayer. And then I love this verse. This is John 8, chapter eight thirty six. It says, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. If Jesus sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Now, here's the deal. Jesus has set everybody free. He, he came to die. He set the captives free. That was his mission. That's his goal is to help the imprisoned, the captive people to save us from ourself, to get us safely back home to heaven and to set us truly free. Now, the hard part is wanting to be free. Because we enjoy our captivity sometimes, and as strange as that may be, it may feel safe to us. And being free is a whole different way of living and a whole different level of responsibility sometimes. But I want you to understand, he would never set you free to crush you or to set you up to fail. He's setting you free to actually be who he made you to be, to walk out the calling he has for you, and to truly have a life that's abundant. That's why he sets you free. He doesn't set you free to set you up to fail. So whomever the son sets free shall be free indeed. So that is a process. Freedom is a process. Because we many times have people that have been captive that are freed but are still captive inside. And so what are we captive to inside of ourselves? What does God have to set free? Does he have to set me free from myself? Am I my own worst enemy? Am I my own worst captor? And so we say to Jesus, "If you set me free, I shall be free indeed. Help me to participate in that process. Help me to do your will so I actually walk out freedom. And so all these things, when we talked about this first Corinthians chapter six, twelve, he says, "All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. all things are lawful." But I will not be brought under the power of any. So what I'm saying to God is you have made all things lawful for me. Everything is permissible for me. Not everything is constructive. And God, I have now started interacting or operating in unconstructive things. And they are now taking me captive. So Lord, you said it was permissible. But I was not wise. And it is not productive for me. And I am now trapped i'm trapped i'm caught i'm captive and so i need to be set free so that i can use my free will to surrender my self will to do your will and so it's important that this this verse is is always a tough one for me this next one it's first corinthians chapter 10:13 and it says there hath no temptation taken taking you but such what is common to man but god is faithful who will not Suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, and he will make the temptation also a way to escape that ye may not that ye may be able to bear it so here 's the deal when we say the God, if Jesus sets you free, you 'll be free indeed what he 's saying in this first corinthians ten thirteen he says there 's no temptation that 's not common to every man on the planet there 's no temptation that is unusual to man. It may be unusual to you. You may have have been, this may be the first time you're tempted by it. But somebody in the course of time and on this planet has also been tempted in this way. There is nothing new under the sun. So he says, God is faithful and he'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, this is, this is key. The way that he says that you can bear the temptation is not that you fight it out yourself. I, I, I frequently am telling clients, I tell myself, please don't try to fight a temptation. You flee a temptation. You run away from a temptation. You don't try to take on a temptation. The best way to overcome a temptation is to walk away, not battle it out. It, it Generally, will you will succumb to it. So this is why he says, but with every temptation, he's going to make a way of escape, So you'll be able to bear it. The farther away you get from the temptation, the easier it is to bear it. The farther away you get from it, the less tempted you are. So you flee a temptation. And if that means physically you run out of the building, you run away from the refrigerator, you get in your car and you drive away from that person, whatever it is that you need to do, get away. Because once you get away, you have more ability to think in your right mind. And the enemy has less access to you. And you get perspective on what was tempting you. And it many times, most frequently, does not feel as tempting. The more light you shine in the dark places, the more you see that temptation for what it actually is. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now this is a process. This is absolutely a process. And many times the enemy wants to condemn us with many of these Bible verses. And we think that we should be walking them out today. And, and what this is saying is some of this is past, present, and future talking to us. And he's saying, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Absolutely. Old things have passed away. Absolutely. All things are becoming new. Well, some of it, I have to catch up with that. I have to catch up with this, this concept. And one of the ways I catch up with it is I let current things become old ways. And the way I do that is I flee from temptation. So the farther I flee from it, the more in my past it is, the more it dies, the more I die to it and the more it dies. And so if I am in Christ He is constantly helping me become a new creation. Every time I choose differently, I become that new creation. More and more of that new person. That means that God's not keeping record of all my wrongs. He's saying, just do the next right thing. I don't care if you've done a bad 10 times today. I don't care if the whole entire first three quarters of the day has been lost to an addictive behavior. Start today, right now, as if it's a brand new moment. You walk from this moment on to be a new person. And that's the hardest thing about addictions, is we want to play it. Our mind wants to play all these games because our mind is held captive. Our brain is held captive. Our soul, our spirit is captive. And wants to play games and say, well, you know, I ruined the rest of the day. We'll start tomorrow. And God says, old things are passed away. New things are now. Do the new thing now, right now. Walk away from it right now. And that's one of the hardest things to do. So I want you to listen to this last one. This is James uh, chapter 1, verses 12 and 15. It says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he of any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when that lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, brings death. So this verse in James is saying, blessed is the man that endures the temptation. That means I don't succumb. That means being a Christian means I will always be tempted. Every, as long as I live down on this earth, I will be tempted. And God is saying, I'm helping you run the race. And this is an endurance race. That means that I don't keep record of wrong with myself. I simply do the next moment as good as I possibly can. And the past is the past. And I let the past be forgiven. And I start new every moment. And I don't keep track of all of that. I simply say, God, I'm running this this race. And I want to be able to endure this. And the more that I endure, the more that I press on, the more that I push through. And that is with the help of Jesus. That is not in my own strength. And that is with the help of friends and family, not in my own strength. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I'm so glad you joined me today. And God bless you in your journey. Please have grace and mercy on yourself. Do not be afraid of grace. Make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and I'll talk to you next week. Have a blessed week.